Welcome to another episode of Forge Podcast, a podcast where we go into the esports industry as a whole, talking about all of the latest happenings and all the stuff that's going on in our workplace. I'm Zach. I'm Jan. This is Forge. And Jan, how are you? I'm doing good. Good. I'm tired. Yeah. But uh, I think that is uh, my normal state of being. <laughs> how about you? I'm, I'm the same, to be honest, mate. I'm absolutely shattered, but I don't, I don't have a good excuse other than I've played a lot of Minecraft recently. So, yeah, that's not a good excuse, is it? Um, yeah, we might have to get on I mean, the coffees. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, I guess for me, it's late for coffee now. I mean, I come... Oh, yeah, true. I'm, I'm usually... It's like 8.30 p.m. now for me, and yeah. I usually get up uh, between 5.30 and 6.00. Yeah, don't yeah, AM. don't know, don't, don't have a coffee now, absolutely. Yeah, not. it's it's like nah, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, yeah, it's no, it's uh, fun times. It's, it's summer. It's actually quite cool in Germany. Uh, I'm leaving Germany in a little bit though to go on a vacation. Um, and yeah, currently just you know enjoying the summer. There's some uh, women's soccer World Cup on. Nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't watched any Which, yet, but I've seen that about. Yeah, I've I've watched a lot. Nice. Um, I mean, yeah. Also, Germany beat uh, Morocco in their first game, six zero. Six nil. Yeah, six nil. I mean, they only shot like four goals, and like two were own goals by Morocco. But yeah, this, <laughs> look, this isn't this isn't a women's soccer World Cup podcast. No, even I would not. be down for that. Yeah, I mean that'd be cool. Um, but you're right. But let's talk some esports. Yeah, um, I think, and and I can lead into this because so something that i tried this weekend yep. was i was thinking about doing a solo pod uh, because there was some there was a little bit of some fresh off the press news which is still fine if we cover it today yep um but i thought like oh why not you know let's cover it earlier you didn't have time so i thought like oh well i'm gonna challenge myself you know i'm gonna record like a, a mini episode like 20 minutes by myself yeah to talk about one of the two topics that we're discussing today uh it ended up being way too long for what i wanted to say and when i was sitting in the and looking to edit it i was like ah no i'd rather do this at the beginning of next episode so we'll, we'll do this and also it's better now so you can give your input as well yeah for sure but yeah last last episode we talked about salary caps and uh pretty much shortly after we recorded and i think on the day we published this episode yep. we have a ha- we have a hand for that like <laughs> the day we published the things like every then time stuff comes in yeah yeah um but yeah then it was kind of leaked or according to sources again that um after this year the lck is looking to add a salary cap yep. to the league and um it's it's a very interesting one because they don't mention a number, but they kind of like have and, and we talked about this last episode briefly. They have kind of like a soft cap and a and a hard cap, meaning once you get over the soft cap, uh, you have to pay some sort of luxury tax. Yeah. So just for like anyone who doesn't know how this works, uh, the NFL, the NBA has something like that. Um, let's say your cap is a hundred million dollars that you are allowed to spend per year or the number is hundred could be a hundred thousand hundred million whatever yeah um but kind of like as soon as you hit that number every dollar that you spend on top of it you have to pay a certain percentage of tax of like let's say 25 percent 
which means if you go above and spend um, 150, or no, uh, let, let's say you spend double, like 200, yep. um, then you spend the 200 on your team, plus you have to pay another 25 in taxes. Yep. And what happens with most of the leaks is that that money is redistributed to the other teams that didn't break the rules. Um, and the LCK, or like in the articles that we read from from like esportsinsider.esports, um, and I think it was reported by Blix again. Yep. Was it Blix? Yeah. I think um, so, yeah. Um, they mentioned as well, like, uh, in order... So so the, the soft cap number is somewhat going to be 70% of the revenue that all of those... Uh, the, that the organization uh, got in. And it's like, a, th- that's going to be the, the soft cap, which is an interesting one because that number is going to be different, A, for every team, um, and B... Um, there's not more detail on how, like, what the, the 70% of what? Is it, like, 70% of the revenue of the entire organization? Or is it revenue only of the League of, Leg- of, the League of Legends team in that in that sense? Um, like, how are they taking the sponsorships into account? Is it sponsorships only for League of Legends or sponsorships that are sponsoring the entire organization? So that is a very interesting thing, how that is going to be calculated. Yeah. which we don't know yet. Um, and yeah, the other thing that um, that uh, they didn't mention is like, what is the number for like the hard cap? Um, and I interested, interestingly saw like that you have to spend at least 70% or something like that as well of, of like the soft cap to even be eligible for um, receiving funds back from like luxury tax. So it's, it's, it's a li- little bit complicated that's because there's not enough details known. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting system. And I, and I like the fact that there's going to be a hard cap and a soft cap. And that organizations are, or like the organizations that do not overspend get some back to like, yeah, put into development. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. I think uh, the the salary cap side of things. I mean, when I looked over some some of the articles that you sent over, some of the Twitter replies were hilarious with highly educated esports professionals replying and saying the most outrageous things. It wasn't. It was just random Twitter accounts. But um, no, I, I think overly it makes a lot of sense. Ultimately, it's sustainable, right? Is that if you have the salary cap in place, it's... It's there to ensure the longevity. It's there to ensure that obviously people aren't getting wrapped up into millions of like euros or dollar contracts that then if we are in a lull in the esports industry, which we are at the moment, become very, very hard to pay or they have a massive kind of financial hit to the organization. So yeah, I, I mean, I think that works really well. I really like the idea. Obviously, you know a lot more about traditional sports than I do. I really like the idea, um, if that is the case, that you've got that kind of 70% threshold of the soft cap, which if if you're kind of investing that much into the team, then you're eligible for any kind of luxury tax that then comes off that. I think that's really, really cool um, because it also incentivizes you to actively just think more carefully about the money and also know your competitors a bit and know what other people are doing or or trying to kind of scout out what other people are doing because if you if you know for example that someone's going into the luxury th- uh, threshold 
then surely you'd find a way to kind of up your numbers a bit to be eligible for a cut of some of their money, right? It's kind of a, yeah. a no-brainer because that's money you can put against your own outgoings. So, 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 so just you know to to re like not recapping that, but I opened the article again. Yeah. And so, um, what they're saying is that uh, the cap includes both a minimum level set to seventy percent of t of a team's revenue earned over the course of twenty twenty two, okay, and an upper limit. Any team spending over the max will be forced to pay an excess as a luxury tax to those who spend below the max. Teams must reach the minimum level of the cap, which is the seventy percent of the team's revenue yep. to earn their cut of the luxury tax. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> does it? I'm now yeah. scared. Yeah, it does. It <laughs> does. It does. for can... a second, so I thought... It, no, no, I think uh, it, it does. It, it, yeah, I yeah. kind of like it. It's... it's um, and I mean, look, we always... We often look at it from the perspective of the organization, right? Of course. Um, and, of course, you know, it's... It's a measure by the league to like regulate things as well for the orgs, yep. which we have seen. You know, when we talked about the the LCS player walkout, players weren't really happy there. And I could also imagine, and you know, looking from the player perspective here, that they are not necessarily too happy about the salary cap, because esports players is. is Imagine or, or uh, believe it or not, uh, yeah, it's it's late. My brain is already a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, believe it or not, uh, for esports players, it's kind of like the same for traditional sports athletes. They they don't have infinite careers. Yeah, they are, the the span of their career is often short. So I get it that most players are just you know trying to maximize what they can get out of yep. esports because if you go constantly thinking, oh damn. I only have like what the average career length is like what two or three years. I mean, sure there are the outliers who can you know make it like a decade. Think about Reckless. Uh, Reckless is is like in in professional esports. Like he played LCS. His his first like full LCS season was in twenty twenty fourteen, uh, and he already played like tournaments in twenty in twenty thirteen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like there are the outliers who have like decade long careers, but for most of them, it's like what two three years. So they are trying to get as much as possible out of the deals. And then if organizations are putting kind of like a cap on it and like this is what we want to spend, is not ideal for them. I kind of like still like it that because it makes things more transparent. Yeah. Um, and it's also positive in a in a sense of like, you know, the, the entire negotiating stuff like, oh, yeah, but this player over there earns so much more. Like that is then a thing of the past because if you have a salary cap, then salaries are public. Yeah, you kind of like know what everyone is spending because you also know when everyone is overspending. Um, but I think overall, and here's you know going back to the comments that I saw. I saw a comment from from Jerome Coupe, who is the the CEO and founder of Prodigy Agency. Um, I think like he, I don't always agree with him, but here I do. Um, because he says like, oh, it, it probably like a salary cap is, is not wrong per se, um, but it's not enough. Yep. Um, and there should be like, maybe this should be taken from a different angle and like looked at budgets overall in terms of like, oh, what are the budgets that orgs are spending on the entire, on the entire team and, and on other things as well. And kind of like be more transparent with that. And in that sense, I agree with him because I also believe just the salary cap is only one step 
a step in yeah. the in the in the right direction. Yeah. I think there needs to be much, much more. Um like and, and luckily, you know, we talked about this I think last episode as well. Yeah, yeah. Was it last episode or the yeah. episode before, you know, with player associations and that stuff? Um, you know, every it's kinda like everyone needs to be at the table. Um so yeah, is overall my point is it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. No, and I, I definitely agree with you and I think you're right that ultimately it, it massively helps when it comes to just kind of maintaining things across the board, sustainability, ensuring that like I understand what you say when it comes to the players and obviously trying to get the the most out of it because obviously a player's career is is very short notoriously. Um and it is very difficult because they're technically getting a ceiling put on them, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and one of the, the best parts about this industry is that a lot of the time there's no ceiling or the ceiling's imaginary. You always try and look past the ceiling. So that right. definitely does make it more difficult. But no, I, I do agree with you. I think it's definitely the step in the right direction. I think one question I had to you actually was um, when it comes to what you were saying with um like public budget for it or like the public outgoings um in total would that be one sum or would that be split into the players um would, would you know i wouldn't okay it was just I, something i, I was thinking not. about because obviously that i think i would hope it would be split into the overall outgoings for the whole team um i mean because that's the, the only figure this, that matters this is the thing really. like that, that is that is like not discussed like the the yeah, budget yeah. stuff was just something that jerome put on yeah or, for sure. or jerome put out and and it's a it's a noteworthy discussion because um like you know yes i can say like oh yeah players always want the max yeah. but also you know at the same point organizations are to blame for you know Esports being more and more of a bubble and players earning so much because they are bidding against each other to like get the best players. Yeah. And they often overspend. And a salary cap regulates that in some in some way. Exactly. Not fully, but at least in some. And I mean the reason for that is anyone who has ever done business knows you gotta spend money to make money. Yeah. Um and especially when there's growing organizations and you know, when when you wanna compete at the top and you want to win everything, uh, you are spending more than you should. And this is not sustainable. Um, because for for the player, as I already mentioned, like the career is, is short most of the time. And they're looking, like, of course, to make their career as long as possible, but also to get the most out of it. Whereas for some organizations, or like most organizations, once you start in esports, the first one, two, three years is about making your mark. Yeah establishing 100%. the brand and what you are and that just means spending money you're yep. burning like crazy but then after like two or three years you have to kind of flip the switch because you cannot just keep spending money you have to make it something sustainable yeah and like find a model that you know in enough revenue and keeps the business going and then it's usually when when some of the or like when often orgs are like orgs that are making the switch are often the ones as well. And you know I've I've been in the same situation. I'm I can say that I'm I'm, I'm part of the problem. I can blame myself. I have no issues with that. Um, 
but you know then when you are at that stage and when you are like looking from okay i have a product or i have a project now that is burning money but i want to transition over to like make it sustainable then of course i'm complaining that players are want like want too much yeah and i think this is like what jerome's point is like when we talk more openly about budgets and when you know all of those things are a little bit more regulated because most of the time nothing really is in esports yeah because really it not. is just so because it is just so young yep. then you know it will also get easier to not overspend things to make it more sustainable for the for the organizations but also make it more sustainable for the players as well and yep. have them being more protected so this this is where where i totally agree with him and where i just think like a salary cap for the lck now is a step in the right direction but it is not enough is that there is more that needs to happen yeah um and i think it also brings some issues with it because so for now uh we are only seeing this salary cap uh being planned for korea yeah for and not for the other regions we already had a big korean exodus where just players because they are thinking about themselves and their future and you know how to make uh, a better life for themselves and loyalty to an org is yeah yeah <laughs> one thing that sometimes you, non-existent yeah yeah and and as well like with with the point earlier right like if if you want to get players the way to get players is money yeah like unless you are an organization that has been around and like you know can give you money um and also and also like other things if you if you are an up-and-coming player and you have the choice between a Fnatic, a Cloud9, a Team Liquid, a G2 Esports, and a RixGG, like we were, yeah. then in order for like RixGG to compete with these big brands, you already have to spend more, yeah. which you oftentimes cannot do. But you know when there's nothing like really setting you apart, the only thing you can do to really push to get the player is spending more money. Yeah. And so yeah... It, it gets tricky and and yeah it yeah again you know, my, my overall point is it, it's good if it gets regulated um but uh if we only see it for one region you know when when players are just thinking about their own future which they absolutely as well should oh, like i'm course. not saying oh no, players sure. you know don't think about your own future but they should do that um but then they're just going somewhere where there isn't a salary cap because they can make more money somewhere else yeah definitely and i think that's something that i I was going to bring up as well is that if it's not like at the end of the day obviously it could just be kind of guinea pig mode with the lck um to see obviously how it does play out before rolling it out to other regions but i don't know whether internally that's where there's kind of the biggest problem right now or like the most imbalance when it comes to outgoing costs or like the each team's budget but no i mean that's that's an entirely valid point that at the end of the day like international transfer if you can make more money elsewhere crack on (laughs) like and and 100 percent. like i mean me and you have always cared a hell of a lot about the players and always wanted to do best by the players so we can definitely see that point of view where you've got to chase the best that you can do because you've got a finite career obviously amazing if you want to then transition to coach or transition to management and then go that chain great but your actual time on a main stage is going to be limited so you, you do have to make the most of it so you do have to chase that money in a sense um yeah. 
but yeah i mean it, it definitely happens a lot like money is just especially when it comes to players it's it's the biggest battle because yeah. like like you said if you've got like optic is a prime example of this optic is an organization if you had the opportunity to join optic you just would like you would because it's optic they are world famous they've they've been around forever like they, they have a really good reputation i mean yeah look, look it's understandable i was the same yeah like i've I've been part of mouse sports um yeah. which is a big org um yeah, yeah. from from germany but they are internationally you know known um when i got the chance to join fanatic i took like i'm gonna be honest i took like close to no money at all in the beginning yeah. it was like very very minimal but for me it was like oh i can join fanatic yeah and i saw this exactly for me as like the the tripping like the 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 jumping board to make this my career in the end and yep. and it worked out so yeah is you do that um but also i think at the other point at the at the same time if another organization that was maybe a little bit less known than fanatic would have offered me like 10x what fanatic had offered me then but exactly you have to consider these things so well yeah like when it comes down to it like it just all all adds into what you're saying about like the potential of an international transfer if those rules and regulations aren't applied in in like the other regions as well but yeah i i think definitely step in the right direction hopefully we'll see more things come to it i think it'll be really interesting to see once it's kind of once it's in action what the reaction is going to be from the participants and the organizations um I mean, I don't really know how we'll see it. I'm not very well connected to Korean esports, believe it or not. But... Well, I mean, like we'll 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 closely follow it. I mean, there yeah, will be exactly. lots of news around, you know, like how it's working, or yep. we'll we'll probably see it with news like, oh, this team has broken the salary cap rules and they are now paying luxury tax, yeah, uh, and all of that stuff. Um, like, yeah. for example, NBA all in the NBA, all of those things are somewhat public. Um, but yeah, maybe salary cap. As we said, it's one step in the right direction. We talked about Formula One with them having a budget or like spending cap. And yep. there are actually things like hospitality in there. Um, as we've seen with, with uh, Red Bull, was it in the uh, 2021? Yeah. Uh, where they, where they uh, broke the rules of the, the spending cap. So yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to see. I, I, I like that one of the big leagues is trying it now. Yeah, and, for sure. I mean, last week we talked about the... the you know that being implemented in some of the European ERLs in the regional leagues, but now that one of the big leagues is actually, um, yeah, trying it. Uh, let's see. It's it's an interesting time, um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll report more on it uh, as we go. But yeah, uh, for definitely. now, you know, we we just have to see how it plans out. Uh, we we have our opinions, and uh, are excited to just see how they do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long we took now, but in my solo pod, I talked 35 minutes about that. 20 minutes, mate. That's See, not too and, bad. <laughs> and we have like a, a nice bouncing yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. It's shorter. It's good. It's, it's definitely um, a lot harder to to do it solo and uh, yeah. just talk to, talk to yourself. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I brought like the same point four or five times. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I I probably do that when me and you talk, so I I won't worry. I, about I mean, it. look, I I do as well, but <laughs> I think I guess as soon as you're solo and then you're not, 
I also I probably did the mistake of not, you know, just writing down the points. Oh yeah, these are this is like point one, point two, point three. You know, like really planning. I was just like, okay, here's my mic. Um, yeah. Press I, the record button. Ah, let's go. I I'll, wish I was that I'll prepared. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. I'm, just just to be clear i'm not yep. that prepared now either yeah but well I've, when you when you're your doing cat. things when you're doing things solo and you don't have you know your friend there to pull you back on track yep then who yeah well we're doing fine mate i think we wrapped that up quite nicely and like jan said as well we're just going to keep tabs on it because it's going to be really interesting to see how it progresses because i think I think ultimately things like this need to happen to jump the gap from esports into the mainstream a bit more and to be recognized a little yeah. bit more and to be solicited a lot more because it's, yeah, it, 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 the majority of the time it's like the Wild West, to be honest, with a lot of the things that go on. So I think it's it's a really interesting one that, yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out. My fingers are crossed for it and hopefully more stuff comes from it as well. Um, yep, yep. but yeah no i mean there was quite another another big thing yeah. that's going on at the moment that you uh yeah. that you sent me on discord that i think is 100 percent worth talking about and yeah. that is every everyone's favorite esport um overwatch and uh yeah you know i i, I should have i i actually have an overwatch league jersey <laughs> uh, from the Houston Outlaws, I, and, and I have a hoodie of the of the Houston Outlaws because some of the uh, oh, former Fnatic boys that played Fnatic, Overwatch for Fnatic in 2016. Mm. Oh my God, it's a long time ago. Uh, they God. went to the Houston Outlaws, and I love their branding as well. So I have some yeah. stuff. I've, I've got a London Spitfire today. jersey. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. oh, don't, don't, don't. Oh. I'll have you know, I won it. Okay. <sighs> was playing a game so i think that's justified and i've never worn it because i don't understand what it means um <laughs> yeah but yes it's, so we will get back to this but yeah. i think the london spitfire in my opinion is maybe a point how we can get into a conversation of why overwatch as an esports in or like in in this concept as they thought about it doesn't work oh god is it that deep really go on let loose let okay. loose we, we can come back to the big news straight okay. after this i want to we'll, know yeah we'll come back to the big news after okay so overwatch is a city-based esports right you're mm -hmm. supposed to have like cities all across the globe in like yep. atlantic division pacific division and like asian division european division or whatever they thought you know yep. similar to nba nfl where you have different divisions and like those teams playing each other more often but each team representing a city. So, and they gave rights, um, and they talked to like some big ownership. Mm. Like for example, the ownership of the Boston Uprising is Robert, or like one of the owners is Robert Kraft, who's yeah. also the owner of the NFL team, the New England Patriots. Mm, okay. So, in in my opinion, like how I always saw the Overwatch League is kind of like this. Oh. You know, you want to go and tap into that, that you can connect esports to a local fan base, potentially give them a stadium at some point, and, you know, have the people that are interested in local sports, because, you know, sometimes you get into a sport just because you have, uh, 
you have the connection for like your your local town yeah um and to draw them into esports the real life example for that for me is for example the the city that i went to school in or like the town city yeah slash that i want, went to school in they were like they had a really big basketball division that's how i got in mostly into basketball yeah. and because i liked space jam and watching michael jordan <laughs> but yeah. you know the the city was like not relevant in in football soccer handball or any other game but the one thing that they were good in were, was basketball so like every school had a basketball uh a basketball uh, activities right next to soccer and football but like yeah because in that city basketball was big and so I got into basketball, and I assume this is the same what Overwatch, um, or what Blizzard tried to do with the Overwatch League, and having the vision at some point later down the years going into the cities and like drawing in the local fan base was like, oh damn, there's like this esports thing going on, and I can actually go to the stadium, have a few beers with some friends, or like you know I'm into esports, I have some friends who are not, and I can drag them with me to the stadium yep. and get them into get them into it and the london spitfire for me is a perfect example how that didn't work because a not only did all of the teams operate out of los angeles for the first few years but also the london spitfire in the first season like right when it started was a team that was supposed to represent london that was entirely under north american ownership and had only korean players <laughs> right I see what you mean now. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh... Yeah, that's impressive, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it would be that bad. God. And and plus, you know, like, that during that time I was working with Fnatic, obviously Fnatic yep. being centered in London, we applied, you know, we wanted to have that London spot. Yeah, for sure. And... And we got denied. And instead, it went to North American. Like, Cloud, I love Cloud9. It, it went to Cloud9. Yep. So they got the London spot. But yeah, it's, it's still weird, you know? You have like... And it was the only European franchise. There wasn't yeah, any... Uh, there was no other European franchise um, in in uh, Overwatch League in the first season. But it was on a North American ownership with only Korean players. Yeah, that's a bit of a kick in the teeth to our to our region to be honest but guess where the money is <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say about that yeah um but you yeah, know wow. like this this entire like lo concept with like oh you know drawing local fan bases or mm. creating local fan bases for esports and representing a city and, and giving it that identity that is i think what they wanted to or what they would have liked to do with overwatch but it just didn't work. Yeah, for sure. And I think, if I'm honest, from uh, I mean the time that I worked for Game uh, in the Blong arenas, that's around the time that OWL was quite big and uh, Game itself was running its own Overwatch League um, across all the arenas around the UK. And I think the only reason that people even knew London Spitfire was the words London and spitfire and instantly we are fans of them because they seem <laughs> they seem british because of their names so no i, I do Go find out. that really interesting yeah I, I do find that really really interesting but i i do get what you mean i think 
it's always when when you can capture that kind of uh geographical demographic there's another word for that and i can't think of it for the life of me i was trying to think of it the other way other day but geographical demographic so per region the best way to capture it is obviously through having those kind of regional teams the the big kind of like obviously North America does it really well with uh, the crossovers with like the CDL, uh, potentially with Overwatch League as well. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it, it would have been nice to kind of have a nice staple for for Europe that was focused on Europe. Yeah. And I'm, I'm it, not going to say played by Europeans it, yes. because at the end of the day, you've got to field the best team possible. Um, and obviously, if the Korean team was the, was the best team possible. I mean, L- London London won that first season. So really? They, yeah, they crowned themselves champions. So Let's go. Like, I, I can, I'll I keep can the understand jersey. that. <laughs> I'll keep yeah. the jersey then. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, they, they changed things up. Um, yeah. Or, or at least if I remember correctly, like, uh, I remember Philadelphia also crowning themselves champion. Um, but, yeah, it, um, later we got some European teams in Overwatch League. Yeah. Um, but also... All of the matches were in Los Angeles. Yeah, like they they did some stuff later where they changed things up. You know, like um, I mean, optic, uh, optic being behind, um, like optic slash envy being behind Dallas Fuel and between Houston as well. I think. Yep. Um, if I remember that correctly, you know, that helped getting um, getting events done. You know locally in the u.s as well but like it it didn't it didn't go to that like full product in terms of like oh really having representing a city yeah um so yeah um i think that's that failed a little bit but um overall look that is not the only reason why overwatch league is failing um and now i think it's really time to get into the news Um, oh yeah Oh and yes. As well, there's oh, there's okay. so many news about like you know and the fun speculation of what could come after. Yeah. Um. But yeah. What? So quick summary of what happened is that Blizzard um Blizzard put on its um financial statements or put out oh, their financial yeah, I statements. I haven't seen them yet. It's the it's pretty much the second quarter 2023 financial results. Yep. And then Activision Blizzard is addressing the issues around the Overwatch League. And it kind of like just says that at the end of this current season, all of the teams will vote. And they will vote on what they say is an updating operating league agreement. And teams will given the, the choice to vote to continue or not to continue. If they don't continue, they will be paid a termination fee of 6 million US dollars. Oh my. Which is God. which is only a portion of, you know, what they paid to like enter the league, but for, it's kind of like the, sure. it, I don't know, it's it's like it seems like oh Activision Blizzard is like resigning and and they're like oh it's the resignation. I'm like oh yeah, this is not going to work. So yeah. if you want out, you can get out, uh, you know, we'll we'll give you 6 million if you get out now. I instant instant reaction to that is take the six million good lord like you're you're not gonna make that money obviously the money that you pay to to get into it at the end of the day 
it's gone. All right, it's gone. You can't think about that anymore. And if you look at the current state of the OWL, which I'll be honest, I don't know overly too well. I just know that from working with players like uh, RCK, who obviously played Valorant for Ricks, um, who was played for Dallas, Dallas, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so from knowing from his side with uh, his experience with the OWL, like you're probably not even going to make six million in in what the next year or or whatever. So. I I think ultimately, yeah, I'd 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 be very quick to to vote to end and take the six million and just accept defeat there. That's just oh. that's my instant reaction before you've gone into anything else. Um, um I mean, there, there's like on my end, I don't think there's much to like go into. Like okay. the the time that I followed Overwatch was 2017 when the league got created, and like yep. maybe still like early 2018. But I haven't watched any Overwatch since, uh, yeah. which is now what five years ago. So I don't know how the, like you know, sometimes I I see the merch and like the the brands that that emerged over the the years because there were like some new teams. Like I already mentioned, like oh Paris for example, I got a team, the uh, Paris Eternal. Yep. Um. Well, like Vancouver got a team, uh, Vancouver Titans, which has like some really really cool branding in my opinion. Like yeah, sometimes you 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 check that a little bit, but I haven't actively followed Overwatch, and I I know some people who like to play Overwatch, you know, in between, but I don't know really any people who are still actively following Overwatch. Yeah, I mean, one of the kind of common measurements at the moment for like an idea or concept dying is dying as fast as Overwatch Two um i've heard that a fair few times i mean i played overwatch 2 when it came out um and from my understanding it was a good couple of weeks and then a lot of people also stopped playing as well so i don't know i it's it's a tricky one i i don't know i i think it's weird to be honest because obviously like league of legends I mean, it's not really a fair comparison because League's the biggest esport, but it's it's in your face, you know, like it's it's you you know you know about it, you know when the tournaments are and everything like that because it's plastered everywhere. I feel like Overwatch has just never really had that, or if it has, then I've just completely missed it, and it's just not not quite got that kind of that presence that it should have in the space. No, not really. I mean, the 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 game was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and you know, with with like the different maps, is 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 very hard to follow Overwatch as like a title. It's not, yeah. in my opinion, it's not really viewer friendly, or at least it wasn't in the beginning. I mean, you know, maybe a lot has changed in the past few years. But as I already mentioned, like I haven't really followed. I, I just gone through the the Liquipedia page. Yep. And I've seen that. Oh, you know, there's like east and west um and now you can actually uh qualify as a non-city team um and also paris at paris eternal doesn't exist anymore that team uh, got got switched to las vegas which uh i have read the news about that i just you know forgot about it because mm. uh, it's, it's overwatch i don't know it's <laughs> it's <laughs> Yeah. It's it's weird. Again, you know, it's it's not a bad game and I don't want to sit here and like bash an esports that is yeah. kinda like on its way out. 
um, unfortunately. But I I think just overall the concept is is just you have to think about what was the goal with Overwatch League. Yep. And this brings me back to what I said earlier about London Spitfire. It's it's kind of like to create this league um, and do esports differently and do it city based and get the local markets activated. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. That that hasn't that hasn't really worked. No. Um, and so then you have to ask, okay, what was the other goal, and or what was achieved of Overwatch League? Well, you got a bunch of investors investing into your league for the years to come and and paying you like the franchise fees, because it cost in twenty seventeen to enter it, it the the cost was twenty million, and then it got increased. Uh, if you were like one of the later franchises that that was looking to get in, such as Atlanta, which was in the second wave, I think Washington, Paris, yep. Vancouver, you know, all of those teams, they had to pay more. Um, and, and I remember that the price was higher because we were looking at Fnatic with, you know, then applying with a different city um, for for a slot as well. Yeah. Uh, because we, we wanted to get in. Um, is it was an interesting concept, but I don't think it, it did work. And it was more, I don't know, it felt just more like an Activision Blizzard thing. Of like, oh, we have this game now. Let's try and take those big investors and like tap into the local markets, which worked to some degree. I mean, they got, you know, the Boston Uprising and with with Robert Kraft. And I think there were some, some other big owners with... Um, axiomatic maybe in there somewhere as well there was like envy um who had uh, i think something big already going on in north carolina yeah but also um you know optic and and their their merger with what which was also like during that time um so yeah i i, I just don't think you know the the concept overall didn't work and now it's finally showing um and blizzard is just at the point where they're like well let's um let's cut it yeah and i i think i don't know you've well i I think we're definitely in a space right now where obviously money is kind of very hard to come by um and you need to make a lot quicker decisions now than kind of taking the gamble and then letting it potentially hemorrhage out later. So, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I think, like I said to you very, very quickly, I would be, yeah, cancel it. Give me my six million. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you yeah. very much. Um, But what I would find really interesting is the possibility of something still happening after it. I don't know if that is possible. Because ultimately, if there's still the ability for Overwatch to continue on an esports level in some way without the OWL, then I think that could kind of fresh start a little bit. Obviously, there's a lot of people losing money. But I don't know whether with like regional leagues, something like that, I don't know. I don't know if there was that before the OWL. Like, I I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, they they have some. They had like the the contender stuff, which was like you know there were smaller teams. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, I remember, uh, Cloud Nine. They had like the or like who were in charge of London Spitfire. They had like a a smaller team, which if, if I remember correctly was the Hurricane team. Yep. 
Um, there was like what Angry Titans um, cool. and, and some yeah. of yeah some of those teams just you know fielding Overwatch League teams in in the Contender series. Yeah. Um, it is. It is now obviously you know all of those teams they are no longer playing Overwatch. They're playing Overwatch Two, and I think another thing that has to happen for Overwatch to like really continue as an esports because like honestly I haven't logged into my Battle.net account for a while because yeah. I actually I really didn't have any time to play video games in the past two months really yeah. other than you know oh uh, there's my Switch you know uh, playing some Zelda but like yeah. other than that I haven't played a PC game in like two or nearly three months Yeah. Um. so if I open my Battle.net account now I wonder after updates how many people I would actually see in Overwatch of my hundred plus people friend list there. Yeah, I would bet it would be probably less than three, maybe yeah, not I even a single person. Yeah. Um, and so one way or, or like one thing that Blizzard would have to tackle is player base, mm. and something that they're looking to do, uh, which we've we've seen with some other games as well now is that they are considering of bringing overwatch and i think diablo 4 as well those are the two titles that uh, i think have been met- mentioned overwatch 2 and diablo 4 bringing them to steam interesting i think honestly that makes a very big difference it really does because i know um well there's i know the the call of duties are coming to the game pass which a lot of things coming to Game Pass has proved heavily successful. Um, we've obviously seen previous crossovers coming over to Steam, which has massively increased the player base because Steam is just the one. <laughs> like, everyone uses Steam. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's really interesting. I think... I, I don't know. Like the, the difficulty for me as well is, like, I did play a bit of Overwatch 1. And then I played a fair bit of Overwatch 2. And I don't understand the difference. You know, like, there, I don't think there was a big enough of a difference. It didn't feel new enough. Like, it didn't mm. feel like that things had changed that much. You know, and I think that's probably hurt them a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know. I think in my mind it's just seeing what happens after. Because let's surely surely everyone votes to get the six million that's involved like i, I don't know yeah. what kind of li- liabilities involved in terms of um like protecting the franchising fee or anything like that um but surely yeah you take the six mil and then maybe just see what happens after but yeah um, i mean there are already you know teams that are not of the of those city teams you know if you if you look at one i have open right now overwatch league 2023 yep it's summer stage qualifiers and you know there are all of the city teams but there's also the spring stage knockouts and the teams which is mostly uh that's all korean teams um all four of them they are gonna be playing in the east division or they are currently playing in the in the east uh, division because that is the tournament that is currently on. Mm. Um, you know, there are teams that are not part of those city teams. 
And I would imagine if all of those city teams vote that they go out, then there's going to be a big amount of teams not necessarily signed to an organization, but that are going to continue playing the game. And there's still going to be tournaments, but not as big anymore as before with like the amounts of prize money, etc. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what is the summer stage knockouts. Uh, wait, I'm going to check to... Oh, only the West. Oh, only West qualifies to playoffs. Oh. Well, I mean, the prize money for first place is still one million US dollars in an entire Probably. prize pool. So this is going to be in Toronto at the end of September. Um, the entire prize pool is still one point eight five million USD, which is not bad. Still um, decent. I'd, I'd be yeah, interested it, to know what the viewership is, though. It is. Um, I haven't I haven't checked the the viewership. I maybe should have in in preparation for this podcast. Um, but yeah, I would guess that there are still go, there are still going to be tournaments, but they're just not going to be as big. And that oh, there's maybe a prize pool of half a million, and yeah. or they are looking to you know if all of the teams are or are pulling out um, that. Uh, maybe Activision Blizzard now being on Steam and they're like doing going the Valve way and have you know part of the price pool crowdfunded. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I mean that could be really interesting. I was just checking as well. Um, the Overwatch League 2023 mid-season madness uh, with a prize pool of one million eighty thousand USD peaked at 85,000 viewers. It's not bad. Yeah. That's something. Um, yeah, hours watched isn't amazing. Yeah, it's kind of questionable viewership across the board. The playoffs did well last year, 2022. $2.5 million prize pool. Uh, peak viewership 400,000 nearly 10 million hours watched so I mean it seems like there's still interest there yeah but uh, I mean look we're, we're talking but, Activision here well, it, oh, yeah. th- th- that's the other thing that you have to consider and, and so like Activision is like oh you know if if we don't if we not have like minimum overhead and um it's not going to bring in money then um let's scrap it yeah oh you know, they 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 did that with other games already before oh yeah of like oh yeah well we're not doing esport anymore um yeah felt that firsthand uh yeah i was gonna say but yeah i think both very potential big changes to the esports space with the lck and the owl and i think yeah both of them have some kind of glaring this makes sense about them um is what what i kind of like find sad about overwatch league is like i you know being the sports fan that i am like you know you have this oh romantic ideology where like oh yes if if my city would have like an actual esports team competing at the top Mm you know sure like i would go to the stadium and stuff like that but it's just like it doesn't work like that yeah at at least so far and like overwatch league was the biggest attempt at that 
I mean, the second biggest attempt at that was probably what CDL. True. Um, yeah. Which again is also Activision. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, because like you had what Atlanta Face. Um, yep. You know, Optic was was also based in Dallas. Probably. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't are? remember enough of, I mean, enough look, about the CDL. I know, like, I know they the, are based in Dallas, so it would make sense the, to be. Hunting. The only team that I cared about in the CDL are the Florida, um, the Florida oh, Dam, not the Mayhem, because Mayhem is the Overwatch League. Um, oh, I can see the logo because it's. Oh my God! Mis- it's, yeah, it's Misfits, it, isn't it? No, Misfits is the is the the league team. Damn it! They have like this Kraken as, yep, as the logo. Yep. 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 Like I, I, I have those skins in like Warzone and Call of Duty, and you know, like friends of mine have worked, especially like with that team. So it's it's the really a shame that I. Oh yes, mutineers. It's it was something with M. I had it was to Misfits, check that. Yeah. Misfits Mayhem mutineers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that that branding is so good. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm still holding. If you're listening to this, I'm still a little bit mad that I didn't get a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, um, is is kind of like, you know, they they tried it as well. It doesn't really work, and I think it's it's just something that you can't really force. Yeah. It and it has to like happen naturally. I think in in the CDL or it it to a certain degree does. Like if you look at Misfits, like they are, their operations are heavily based in Florida. Yeah. So them. Having a Florida Mayhem spot in Overwatch League, having the Florida Mutineers in CDL, that makes sense. Same as for like Optic, if they're, if I remember correctly, Optic was somewhere in Texas. Um, yeah, you know it makes that sense. is the same. Even even if you look at traditional or like <laughs> more traditional esports teams, right? Then you have Fnatic being based in London and kind of like them calling that their home base. Mm-hmm. But that is also that's more you know that happened organically, and there is a big um, there is a big base in London who consider Fnatic as their team, because the office is there. There's like public viewing events and stuff like that. If you look at Germany, there are some German teams. You know, big yeah. Berlin International Gaming. They're based in Berlin. You know, and and if you are into esports from Berlin then, you know, probably one of the teams that you would be cheering for, even though they don't have a player from Berlin, is big. Um, Maus is, has an affiliation with... They used to have an affiliation with Berlin, but they moved to Hamburg. Yep. Um, and SK Gaming has always was always sitting in Cologne. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, and it, it has to happen organically. But even if it does happen to a certain degree organically, if you're not, as an organization, investing so much into running events and, and connecting with the local fan base, and you're not giving, getting the opportunity to do that like from the league, um, that's that's my big issue, I think, with, with Overwatch League, that the entire thing of, oh, let's build stadiums and all of that stuff, that came way too late. And, and yeah. we, I mean, but six years or five years of five or six years of Overwatch League, and they're still playing in. I mean, yeah, yes, it is more feasible, but you cannot connect to your local audience otherwise. It's yep. it's just too hard. No, I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree. But yeah, what, I, I th- what, what is your, what is your local esports team? Tell me. 
God, this Norwich. Did you yeah. did you grow up and said like, oh, you always wanted to be a striker for Excel? <laughs> no. Oh uh, God, no. No, I mean esports wise, I couldn't even tell you, man. I literally couldn't even tell you. The the only. Do you know what I think? The only time I really get behind a like a, a UK national team or a majority UK national team is CS:GO. I think that is always always inside me. So with like into the into the breach, uh, with what they did um, a couple of months ago now with the RMR. I lost my mind because it's some UK boys. I mean, I've known Thomas for a long time. He, he went to uni here. Um, so seeing that, that's when I get behind it. I think that's the only time I get behind it and I root for the UK. Would you have gotten behind them if they played for a Korean-owned esports organization that would call themselves the New York Breach? Uh probably not I, would, I don't know because if i'm honest I was, I was about to be very rude and i'm not going to be as rude as, as i wanted to say i like into the breach good organization i'm just gonna say i don't care about them at all i care about the players like the the players is what i'm getting yeah. behind it i'm not getting behind the organization so i don't know if that would be a kind of a, a deal breaker for me if if it's the kind of like you're saying with london spitfire american owned and uh dominated by korean players i think it's yeah i mean for me like obviously csgo was my break into esports so there's that emotional attachment there and i started with uk csgo so that's probably why it's it like that that was orchestrated kind of for me but i i naturally quite naturally got involved with it because there was a big culture of csgo in the uk that came very behind europe but for csgo it was very big for for the uk so because of that i then kind of got a lot more involved through it and i think that's kind of what obviously on a much smaller scale but what we're talking about when it comes to organically growing that affiliation between like regions and games and and specific teams as well um is finding that way to 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 build on the on on the organics of it and i think into the breach from the marketing standpoint of what they did during that tournament was very very well done in yeah. terms of really bigging up the fact that no no uk players have ever done this in csgo CSGO been out for a decade. No UK players have ever done this. So there's and you're, you're like summarizing it quite well again, you know, because like what yeah. you're what you're saying and what you're showing is it's about the storyline. A hundred percent. It's about the storyline and and the angle, and, you know, to to like draw it back. Why Overwatch League, in my opinion, failed is because Overwatch League wants to like tell the story of local affiliation and showing local heroes. Yep. Yep. But. You can only show local heroes in the local market. Yeah. So, you know, forget about the fact that London Spitfire is, you know, you're you're not giving and 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 I don't I don't necessarily mind, you know, of like, oh, you know, 
it's only Korean players or whatever, but it's like the the story just doesn't match. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to force something rather than, you know, trying to, just to enable it. Yeah. Just being an, an enabler and like, here, here are the tools, do something instead, oh, we're forcing something and we're looking of going the way with the least resistance, which is also the way which brings in the most cash. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think because they couldn't tell the story of the local heroes or tell those storylines um, as, you know, this entire system would allow, um, that's why it failed. Yeah. No, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. So, I, I it's, think... It's sad because I'm always sad, sad when an esport is dying. Of course, um, 100%. Like, it's, at the end of the day, it's been a massive part of the industry. You know, like, it, it has, obviously not as big as the the top titles but it's definitely like i've said i saw it firsthand working with game and and all of that stuff like it does affect people so it is really sad like i said i hope there's something that follows it if the decision is made and they decide to either do something on a regional basis or just boot something up and kind of keep something going with it without the commitment of the owl um but yeah no i, I think Add that to the list of wait and see. Yeah, like like everything. You yeah, know? exactly. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was an interesting one to talk about. Yeah, for sure, hundred um, percent. No, I, yeah, it it's is big news. Yeah, it is. Uh, unfortunately, it may you know affect people's livelihoods, which you never want to see. But mm. unfortunately, that happens. Um, but yeah, still well, uh, a very interesting topic to to go into and talk about. You know what's what's happening. I'm I'm also assuming like most of the orcs will will take the six million and yeah, and maybe do a nice little severance package. Yeah, it's never gonna, probably not going to happen. But I mean, in idea, it would be nice. I don't know. Some Let's orcs see. might, but yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up today. Um, but yeah, I think. Big news coming, big changes coming, but the thing that I like is it's changes that I'm not immediately annoyed at. That's that's a nice thing. That's always a good sign. So Yeah. Yeah. It's been another episode of Forge. I've been Zach. I've been Jan. We'll see you next time. And uh Cheerio. Yeah. Bye bye.